0: uh
1: hey everybody welcome to uh the hangover podcast week four oh my week gosh four. we are officially a third of the way done with a semester josh Reynolds sitting here with brogan Hegmeyer. what's up y'all <laughs> <laughs> and uh he just came through, uh, preaching Acts 2, 42 through 47, the teeniest chunk, and he was angry about it. Mm, very <laughs> upset. So, g- upset. <laughs> but, uh, so, given the backstory, why?
0: Yeah, so. I don't I mean, we literally just came out of Pentecost and you got 3,000 people, Holy Spirit coming down in balls of fire, pre light bulb. I think it would be light bulb, but we're like modern day. It's yeah. just my own commentary. Um, but then we're going in farther to like Ananias and Sapphira with Kerry Curry coming up. Also, like people getting smited, like fun, just wild stuff. And this is five verses of how to be a good Christian. <laughs> And I didn't, I didn't know how to process that one very well, not right away anyway, and then I uh, figured you would you'd hop town, took a fast train on out of here, and <laughs> left that one for me.
1: So, <laughs> so uh, Brogan is referencing, uh, mm-hmm. I was actually uh, in Colorado, climbing a mountain, doing some, uh, some spiritual formation. So, I was at <laughs> 10,000 plus feet uh, while he was preaching, mm-hmm. and... Uh, he was a little salty. <laughs> 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 yeah. Okay, so how was the experience? Let, or actually, let me backtrack. One of the things that CSF always wants to do is teach through Scripture. The reason why is I never want to use God's Word to manipulate um, and kind of proof text myself. I always want to be teaching narrative structure. And learning to find my story in God's story, so that's one of the just the undercurrents of why, as a ministry, we choose to teach straight through chunks. What that what what comes out of that is sometimes you get a chunk of scripture that's on a particular night that you may or may not uh, fall in love with, and uh, and so that's where the smile comes out for Rogan and I. Yeah. And yet I receive texts from. Uh, from Indiana, while I was in Colorado, uh, given all kinds of positive feedback. Mm-hmm. So, good job, Thank yeah. you. and uh, it was received really well. So go ahead and tell us, what was the process of grabbing a chunk of scripture and preparing to teach?
0: Yeah, for me, I like almost going back to kind of a, a rabbinical style, or just the, the process of asking questions And so that's the approach I took to it. Even though I didn't like it right away, I read it again and I kept reading it. I mentioned that in the the sermon itself. I read it over and over and over until I was able to pull away a question from a text that seemed kind of uh, just pretty surface level and straightforward. And that's. It's been a process, I think, this is maybe, this is relevant, but maybe side tangent. Growing up in a church that their motto, their doctrine was, when the, the common sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. Say, and so, uh, when Say. The com- yeah, When the common sense makes good sense, seek no other sense. Mm. And so
1: what, what is inherently implied in that statement that you are drawn to or, or rebel against?
0: Yeah. So for a long time, that was my understanding of scripture. When I would read a passage like this, I would take it exactly what it is, which is the believers are together. This is how they lived. Historical document. Check in the box. Let's move on. And going back on that, maybe rebelling against it. Maybe not. Maybe that's not the word. Maybe giving going deeper with mm, it is. Good. Yeah. Because there is a lot of good teaching within that itself. But then saying maybe that's not the whole picture. And not necessarily, not even wrong, not even um, necessarily something that needs to be rebelled against, but perhaps something you want to question.
1: Mm. Yeah. That's good, I like that switch of the word. It's not necessarily that you are pushing it away mm-hmm. <clears throat> or denying it, but you're actually going into it and, and digging deeper.
0: Yeah. Cool. yeah. cool. And so that's what I did, I think, with that kind of biblical scriptural perspective as well as then now with this passage is I had to keep reading it until I was able to push against the text and find some tension points that I had
1: with it. I like that. I was just listening to a leadership podcast today and uh, it was about tension and it said you can't inhale without exhale. Mm. So they naturally, like, like, both are required and to be, they're, they're in constant tension of each other. And so you never do one without the the appearance of the other and so the surface level understanding of a scripture plus digging into it and finding the deeper metric is, is is a tension point that especially as a teacher oh my gosh i'm always uh wondering what god has in store for me in my preparation and then my listeners in my delivery mm because both times it's not about me it's about what God's doing in me and then and then wanting to say and so they're always intention the surface plus the deeper Mm. so what did you find yeah
0: so eventually I started reading it like I were looking at it as I would in today's context if I saw these Mm -hmm. people today what would I start to think about them and it, was, it wasn't it was people that I would necessarily maybe even find myself associating with because it seems so bizarre. And if you've read scripture a hundred times, you're kind of used to the bizarre and you gloss over it. But you going back to it and really just embracing the uncomfortable, like I talked about, is something that allows you to maybe dig and ask those questions a little bit better. And so I saw people who were sharing everything they had, selling property and possessions to anyone who had need, not just their Christian communities, to anybody who had need. And then every day they were in the temple courts. And so I kind of liken that to going to church every day. Like that is something that I'm not personally comfortable with. <laughs> Maybe some people are. But for me personally, that's that's a bit of a challenge, a bit of an uncomfortability, a bit of a tension
1: spot. Okay, so let me ask a deeper question. When you read the narrative of Scripture, is the western church that you're saying i don't i'm not drawn to that is mm. that what you see portrayed in the story of the bible
0: yeah i don't see the western church i don't see the thing that maybe i'm uncomfortable with in this passage and then i guess that's even another tension spot another good question that i didn't ask up there but yeah it's a. It's tough because you don't, the thing that in my mind that I am uncomfortable in going to would be the traditional sit down and listen to a sermon for an hour, two hours, and then leave. That would be hard for me to do every single day. Maybe a fellowship of believers meeting every day and having an active, lively discussion that could potentially be a different scenario.
1: Right. So what's the narrative of church that you see within the meta story of scripture?
0: Hmm. Narrative church or a fellowship or
1: Oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, clarify that one for us.
0: Yeah. Um I think we talk about church, Big C church as a institution whereas fellowship is more of a grassroots mm-hmm. um communal style of living. Okay.
1: And that was your passage. Yeah. You're drawn to your fellowship, yeah, I yeah. you were drawn to the fellowship of that. Uh huh. Super cool. Uh, one of the coolest parts of having uh, a young teacher, someone who is invested deeply in the text, does the work. Uh, huge kudos to Brogan. We, he had, uh, he had his content prepared and written, and we sat together mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, just kind of geeked out together. And then I was able to, to just affirm him and the path that he was moving forward. I knew he and Bill had already met. Um, And so here's the question for you. Now that you've been up and taught, and now that you've been affirmed in the work Mm. that you've done, how was the experience of standing up? What was it like to be in a room of 125 plus people? And yeah, kind of walk us through Mm. what it felt like. (laughs)
0: That's funny. I was shaking in my metaphorical boots. (laughs) I was scared for two reasons. Public speaking is not my not my favorite thing to do. I love to be able to talk and talk out ideas, but being up in front of people where there's not a discussion, it's just me voicing my opinions without any kind of sounding board or anything to bounce back at me can be a little intimidating if I put something out there that, I, that needs to be pushed back against. Um, also, just the trying to give or ask questions be able to bring up points that are going to leave people the question because i want if i'm up in front of people that i've been given the time i want it to be impactful for people and if i'm terrible at public speaking or if i'm just not funny or not engaging or not none of those good things then and people aren't able to take away anything that i was just terrified that that could be the the case hmm. but thankfully it was i been told it wasn't <laughs> I hope
1: it wasn't <laughs> How, what kind, of, what kind yeah. of feedback have you received
0: yeah I got some some texts from some good friends afterward just some encouragement even from my my roommates who were there um about conviction and that wasn't necessarily something I set out to do it wasn't I wasn't trying to um per se convict anybody I don't know if that's even within my power um but I wanted to just ask questions. So the fact that I think the Holy Spirit was able to work the room enough that to turn my questions into something that you people would take home with them and then continue them all over, Because that I, I think a, conv- a conviction is almost it's a it's a tension point that sticks with you more than anything else. It's not, uh, if in my mind, it's not supposed to be a judgment. It's not supposed to be any type of thing like that, any kind of negative context. It's supposed to be something that you're able to mm. keep going back to. If done well, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes done poorly.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh-huh. So, were you convicted in your study or in your, in your communicating and in your questioning? Like, what, are, what was the Holy Spirit doing? To you
0: I was a hundred percent convicted in my, my reading of it, and just even a lot of this material I pulled from some of my classes, which was an awesome connection point. Um,
1: tell the good listeners out there uh, what your major is.
0: Yeah, <laughs> It's a really long one. It's a geography focusing on food and agriculture with a nonprofit management minor. Yeah. <laughs> So, try taking that one up on a resume. Exactly.
1: Size 8 font, Mm -hmm. just to squeeze it in. Yeah. (laughs) So, using some of that content convicted you as you held scripture. So, talk it out. Yeah.
0: So, there was was a spot that I got going on, got a little passionate about, maybe a little teary-eyed towards the end. um, Where I was talking about, we have this this food poverty, this... uh, Like these massive needs on a global scale, but we also have enough resources that we could end it tomorrow if we wanted to. It's a, what can we distribute our resources? Do we want to? And I ended on a question that said, maybe we just don't care. And for me, that's also really convicting because there's days where there's people I don't see on the other side of the world and I just don't care what they're doing, I don't what they're living, I don't care about their stories because I'm so invested where I'm at right now. And that's difficult. We had a, this is back to one of my classes, but my professor brought up space can be a really big divider between people and their connectedness and they're willing to embrace and, have empathy towards others. So you're willing very much so to support your family and your friends and those people that you have connections with, but the farther out you get from that, the less likely you are to empathize or to even want to help. So you might help your, you know, your, your brother who becomes a drug addict or something like that, but somebody on the street that you see who's going through the same problem, you might be less likely to, or even less likely to on the other side of the world. Sure. Yeah.
1: So what's the call?
0: yeah i think the call there is maybe the the shift in the the way you view the world the way christians are told to view the world the story we're supposed to see Mm -hmm. and that's going out and caring for the needs of anyone not just your brother not just your parents not your friends but anyone and that's that's one of those points i find in scripture that doesn't make it easy (laughs) <laughs> it's not. Sometimes, like, dear God, I got another, I don't even know, 60 years of my life, and I, this is hard. It gets harder every day. Um. And But that's, that's the call. Jesus never just said, okay, like, this is your understanding of the world. Like, I'm going to make it a little more comfortable for you. I'm going to make it a little easier to bear. He made it into bigger, more abstract, harder to wrap your brain around concepts. And I think this is one of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And Jesus perfectly living out uh, <laughs> God personified, right? Mm. Uh, it's Colossians one. The fullness of God is pleased to dwell within the person of Jesus. What? Mm-hmm. And so then you take that and and you mention kind of a, a rabbi understanding. A rabbi is always pointing back to the interpretation of the prophets, and the prophets are always calling out the places God loves in the world. Mm. <laughs> uh, for for yeah, to the success or or to the failure of the people living it out, and then again and again, you're pointing back to uh, the narrative of of the old of the Old Testament. So. Mm what do you see in that as I like set up kind of three chunks based off of, man, Jesus is taking what I think I'm supposed to be doing in the world. Jesus is supposed to make it easier. No, he makes it more abstract and uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. but ultimately more hopeful. And so I'm trying to navigate that lived out.
0: Yeah. I mean, I got to give a, a shout out to my man, Marty Solomon, first of all, because he's really just blown my blown my mind every time I listen to his podcast. <laughs> so give him a plug. Give him a plug right there. Bama podcast. It's a fourth fourth season now, I believe, just Hell came man. out. Um, yeah. But his stuff on the Old Testament, his material is phenomenal and just uber challenging.
1: What did you hear him challenge you yeah. with? Um.
0: So I think the the challenge, or maybe not the challenge. I think I want to context first, okay, maybe yeah. real quick. Yeah. Um, so with Jesus, with or he talks. Marty will talk about Jesus a lot, and that Jesus always refers back to the Old Testament. He hasn't proven his theory yet, but he thinks that everything Jesus says, everything he's quoted as saying, has an Old Testament connection. Mm-hmm. And if that's even if it's not everything, there's still a large chunk of what he says that is directly pulled from the Old Testament. So, so
1: Jesus is always uh, attaching. His words mm. to the meta narrative that we mm. find lived out. The yeah. the essence and the truth that we see in the Old Testament is what Jesus is calling out and living and applying in the New. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. So you have. <laughs> I think what's awesome when you look at the whole story of the Bible, it's almost like one big faith journey for humanity. But you can also maybe even relate to it yourself. In that when you start out, you know, maybe you don't have an understanding or super well of who God is or what he even is. So think of Abraham or even if you want to go before that, you know, Noah, Adam and Eve, like they, they're walking with God, but they don't have necessarily the this, this scripture yet. There's understanding of who God actually is, what his qualities are, what his characteristics are, their journey, they're walking towards that. Mm-hmm. And the longer we go into history, the farther we keep going, people get a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. The law comes in and now everybody's like, oh, yeah, we figured it out. We have the law. Great. And now we're adding other stuff to the law and all. Yeah. And you get, I can't
1: remember how many laws based on. 672 or something So like quite that. a few. Yeah. <laughs> and, and those are, Marty calls those fences. Yeah. Those are protectionary laws to make sure that we keep the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. excellently, perfectly, yeah. And so he says, we he says, when we read the Old Testament and hear all these, all these laws that to you and I are so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. In reality, those are done out of passion and commitment for the Ten. And yeah. so these are fences put in place to safeguard yeah. that I never ever get close to failing at the Ten. So and so over time, the narrative continues.
0: It continues, yeah. And then I think you maybe even have some people that are like, yes, like we figured out God now. We've put him in the box. We've identified it because that's what we like to do as humans. We like to categorize and do, make everything super specific like that. Um, but then, so people live maybe a couple thousand years without understanding of who God is based on the law. And it's God is a fortress. God is all these things. And he doesn't want you to kill people. Like That's just a good rule of thumb. <laughs> <And> <laughs> Low-hanging fruit. Right. Don't kill yeah. someone. If you ever need a definition of right and wrong, I think that's normally the one that comes out. Yeah. Uh, so you have that. And then all of a sudden this guy named Jesus comes around. And he says, no, like you, you thought you've had God figured out. Maybe you don't. Maybe there's even more. And he takes things like the rich young ruler, we referenced a little bit. I think Bill referenced a little bit. And, you know, the law of the day was you give, I believe, 10% of your, your income, of your our food or whatever it would be at that time. And so you have a rich young ruler come up to Jesus and say, "I'm doing this, but then how do I how do I get salvation? Like, is that enough?" And Jesus one ups him like he always does, <laughs> <Just> <laughs> or dunk, one deepens, or him. One deep yeah, him yeah, just yeah. dunks on him. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> yes, and goes, yes. "That's awesome that you're doing that, but you need to give away everything, and that's not in the law. That was never stated there, and so not only." the guy wasn't doing anything wrong, and it wasn't this right or wrong issue. It was God or Jesus pushed it forward again and broadened the understanding of what it meant to follow God. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember where we started. No, no, Christ. it's good. That was the yeah.
1: context for for the conviction. Yeah, that was the context yes. for the conviction. Yeah.
0: So within within that, you get. These, these conviction points when you read the scripture because you don't, you can't always just say like this is, this is right or this is wrong. Jesus constantly pushes it forward into a heart
1: issue. Ooh. So one of the things that, that as a, as a full-time pastor, especially with 20-year-olds, 19, 18, 17, 22, 26-year-olds, mm. <laughs> one of the things I constantly get is young uh, young, young adults who sit with me one-to-one who say, Josh, I read the Bible and I don't get anything out of it. Mm. They say, I already know this. <laughs> <laughs> and then they say, um, I don't read the Bible because... And then insert whatever. Mm. So as a as a young adult, who has been challenged wonderfully, um and even in in discipleship together, uh you're coming alive to scripture. Mm-hmm. Like what would you say to a listening audience of young adults who have heard it before, <laughs> know the answer, or just don't really care anymore? Mm-hmm. Because insert whatever reason. Mm-hmm. It's mom and dad's, you know, wah wah. It's yeah. <laughs> so as a guy who's come through yeah. that
0: or or still working or through still it. Yeah. is working
1: through that like mm. what do you say to a captivated 12 listeners
0: i say yeah da- <laughs> yeah i say ask questions question everything you hear um That goes for the scripture you've read a thousand times as much as, you know, the opinion that your somewhat sketchy friend throws out. (laughs) Myself being the sketchy friend. (laughs) Yeah, don't ask ask questions Um, because that's what's going to give you both a deeper understanding of the scripture and a deeper understanding in relationships. So often we don't do that in our relationships. We take people just as is or maybe we don't even listen sometimes having a question allows you to grow deeper in the relational understanding of who that person is and their story but in the same way you want to apply that to the scripture as you're growing in a relationship I think with
1: the scripture right um because the scripture is yeah it's the word became flesh yeah and and dwelt among us Mm. and so anytime Mm. I'm digging into the story if I feel like I know it maybe the deepening ideas uh is this spirit connect Jesus connect or or God the Father? Like where is the Triune God developing me mm-hmm. or deepening my ability to be curious? Yeah yeah That's I mean, cool.
0: It's so cool. <laughs> you know I think even you want to hop all the way back to Isaac wrestling with an angel. I mean that is it the perfect yeah. analogy for what this is the fle- or the scripture made flesh. This man wrestling with a heavenly creature, with maybe even I would maybe even step out into truth, like um, a character representing that, and then he he wrestles with that. He spends a whole I believe a whole night wrestling Jacob. with yeah. that. Yeah. Jacob
1: becoming Israel—that's his—that's yes. his twist point. Yeah,
0: but he doesn't. Ooh, this is. I just had another thought. I'll get to it, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Better yeah jacob wrestling with this thing with this scripture and he comes away with a wrenched leg having been made having been blessed but he's not without pain now mm-hmm. the wisdom that he gained the understanding that he gained has made him more broken in a way yeah that's poetic uh-huh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah uh-huh.
0: yeah the brokenness piece there i think is is huge mm-hmm. yeah
1: all right, full circle here. Um, I th- I'm going to remind Brogan, but tell our audience. So I specifically had Brogan in mind for this chunk of Scripture uh, because of, of something that he said within his sermon, <clears throat> applying his agricultural geographic uh, background. He said... Um, when we were in Honduras, Brogan made a really incredible idea come alive for me as a listener as he was teaching other students. Uh, I was a student in that moment. <laughs> and uh, so Brogan, just kind of rehash the context and then the, the challenge of we have a yield problem.
0: Yeah. So this is, uh, the st- story I was referring to is in Honduras, in a classroom of a school full of um, Honduran children, who also happen to speak English, thank God, because my Spanish is a little muy, no muy bueno, no. and <laughs> I think that's right, uh, <laughs> so we're, we're, giving what's almost this double-sided lesson in that you have kind of the base level that we're just trying to impart and we're trying to build relationships with these kids and we're just trying to give them some information and then we're also asking questions again that hopefully will maybe stick with them after we're gone um but when i so we all our group of people we were talking i believe it was high school age high school yeah so high school age kids and um, they were asking us, "So what are what are our majors? What are we studying?" And so I got to talk about agriculture. was a which became a really cool bonding point because a lot of them are familiar with agriculture, being from a a country where that is one of the big um, kind of economic powerhouses, and. We, we talked about, right? I guess I asked a question I started off with, is the American way of agriculture better or is the Honduran way of agriculture better? And I caught some stink eyes right away because <laughs> that is a very pointed question. Um, but it was awesome because you had people very much now impassioned and raising their hand being like, Why why would you say that? I think either like the Honduran way is better or like I can see the point of the American way, I don't know if it's better, or just a lot of lively discussion. And then I was able to bring it down to um a different level of why are we why do we have to have these two things as separate? Are they not is there not good in both of these ways of production? and we were able to look at maybe the good on both sides. But then in order to maybe balance the playing field a little bit, I talked about the American production system and how we produce um or sorry, how we destroy fifty percent of the food, the vegetables that we produce. There is fifty percent of the food we have in the United States is wasted and we eat a lot of food. <laughs> we're talking tons. Um so we have that. We also have this system in place where the, it is more profitable sometimes for a farm, for a, a corporate farm even, to burn their food in the field and collect the subsidies on it rather than take it and flood the market with it. So in my mind now, we have, this, we have this problem that's not a production problem. We talk about that a lot in the agriculture classes I'm in. like How do we, how do we get it so where other countries can produce more? We are, we're always talking about GMOs or doing these things that are going to get other countries to produce more food. But then we almost miss the point, which is we already have enough food. <laughs> we have more than enough food. We just don't distribute it. Mm. And so I ended on a, a point that wasn't, we don't have a production problem. We have a yield problem. I love that. Yeah.
1: That, was, that line just totally captivated me. And mm. so when I read this chunk of Scripture, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's uh, it's verse um, 45. Sell property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Uh yeah, breaking bread in their homes, eating together with glad and sincere, praising glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor, and the Lord adds to the number mm. daily. Uh, so if you had to wrap up the hangover, mm. <laughs> like kind of with this idea again, full circle of Man, I have I, Brogan, have this context of the world <laughs> and had this platform of an encounter, um, and invited the Holy Spirit to convict the room. Like, what would be kind of your walk-off uh, shot here?
0: Yeah. First of all, I'd like to note it's kind of funny I'm drinking coffee to end the hangover. But <laughs> <laughs> those of you who can't see, I do have a nice cold brew in the poorhouse. Cold Sponsor, brew. Sponsor maybe. <laughs>
1: brady for listening Uh, yeah (laughs) sponsor free coffee for every podcast uh host and uh guest
0: um yes so back to the seriousness um yeah so the the part of that verse the very last verse of that passage that stuck out to me it was the lord who added to their numbers daily it wasn't anything they were doing which is kind of, it almost stands in juxtaposition to what we just read because we see again and again what these people are doing over, like they're meeting together, they're giving, or they're meeting the needs of anyone, they're doing all these great things, and it's all about them. But then it concludes on, and the Lord added to their numbers. It wasn't, it was what they were doing, but it wasn't at all what they were doing. Yeah.
1: To play with the metaphor, uh, they were yielding mm. their resources appropriately, and the harvest then.
0: What's God to do? Mm. Mm. I do like that. Yeah. To continue off that, we they were producing. They were the yeah. ones. They were growing the crops, and that they were performing these actions. But then it was the Lord who came
1: in. Man, I got to Okay, so yeah. we run over to First Corinthians, right? In First Corinthians three, um, Paul is is looking at the Corinthians, and they're and they're functionally just arguing with one another. Uh, And he says, it's Apollos uh, that is not greater or different than I, but he has a different job than me. He says, I planted the seed and Apollos comes in and waters it. Mm. Uh, And so there's this idea of cultivating the soil that we see again and again and again. Mm. Uh, But then we know John 15 says, uh, you have to be connected to the vine in order to become fruit bearing. Mm. Apart Mm -hmm. from me. You produce nothing, and so there's all kinds of work involved when I see the big story scripture, and there's all kinds of grace <laughs> mm. given because it is God who adds to the number yeah. daily
0: yeah I love that it's in it's in our realization of our own brokenness that then we're willing to give it back to the Lord because we know the the humble person knows who to give glory to yeah
1: that's pretty good I love good. that yeah <laughs> <laughs> alright if you have uh, questions uh, about agriculture you can find Brogan at mm-hmm. phone
0: number <laughs> I don't know you can,
1: you can connect with me and yes. I'll connect you over I'll right. run uh, I'll run the fence to protect cool cool <laughs> Uh, Josh at csfindiana.org. If you've got questions, uh, we have deeper questions, and mm. so we'll see your questions we'll answer and answer your questions with more questions. <laughs> it will, will be frustrating uh, and glorious. So, uh, <laughs> thanks for a fast 33 minutes. Uh, give it up for Brogan. He did um, some incredible work, and you can uh, jump over to CSF family on your favorite podcast player and uh, and hear his sermon. All right. Have a great day.